Welcome to episode 74 of the Travel and Adventure Photography School podcast. As always, I am your host, Robert Massey. Thank you so much for listening today. I am truly stoked that you are taking some time to improve your photography. This podcast is part of the educational arm of my photography business, Robert Massey Photography. We focus on crafting beautiful images in the great outdoors, and we sell a variety of prints of mountains, lakes, Calgary, Banff, now that I live in Banff National Park, and beyond. You can check out all of the photos we have available on robertmasseyphotography.ca right alongside the show notes for this episode, which you are definitely going to want to go look at. All right, now let's get into this super exciting episode. I am actually beyond stoked for today's episode of the podcast. We are talking to Ian Miller, one of the founders and creators behind one of the best adventure and travel photography backpack companies on the planet, Shimoda. Shimoda launched their first product on Kickstarter about three years ago, bursting onto the scene with an all-in-one travel and adventure photography bag called the Explore Series. The Explore Series featured 30, 40, and 60 liter bags, as well as internal camera units and a ton of accessories that really solved problems that many other bags in this category were really trying to deal with and couldn't. And since then, they've launched the Action X Series, which is also revolutionary. It's geared towards action sports and adventurers who move a lot. This bag was built to hug you tight and move with you while being in the heat of the action. And now this week on June 30th, 2021, they are launching the Explore V2. A bag built for travelers and landscape photographers with special features that these type of photographers will absolutely adore. Now the launch will take place on Kickstarter and will include a link in the show notes when the campaign goes live. Ian will get into all of those awesome features that this bag has, but one of my personal favorite is the new grab handles that they've included just because of the way you move while you're doing landscape photography. It's such a fantastic idea. Now, Shimoda has quickly become one of my personal favorite photography brands. Their bags are well-made, they fit and carry amazingly well, and they are building straps built for different body types, meaning more customization for people across the spectrum. Regardless of your shape, you should be able to find a bag that suits you from Shimoda, and this is super unique for photography companies. So today, you're going to hear about one of my favorite backpacks, but also learn from an action-adventure photography veteran about how he gets ready for shoots, how he stays ready, and about what makes photography good today. Plus, so many more great nuggets that will really enhance your photography. Honestly, this was one of my favorite interviews I've ever gotten to do, and it was such a pleasure to get to talk to Ian all about Shimoda and what they were up to and about his own photography. But instead of me raving on about this, let's just get you right into that interview. All right. Please welcome lifelong explorer Ian Miller from his home in the Japanese Alps. Hello, welcome so much to the podcast, Ian. Thank you so much for taking some time to chat with me and hang out today. It's, yeah, I'm so looking forward to this. Uh, do you mind giving people a little bit of an introduction to who you are? Sure. Uh, I am, well, my name's Ian Miller. Uh, I'm a Canadian who's living in Japan. And about three years ago, I started a brand called uh, Shimoda. I started it with uh, some folks who are based in New York City. Uh, I live in the mountains, uh, the North Alps of Japan, and basically I do the fun stuff and they do the back end stuff in, uh, in New York. So uh, as far as that part of me, that, that part's great. But yeah, I'm from Canada. I moved here uh, 10 to 15 years ago, kind of off and on, and uh, settled here. And yeah, just enjoy life here. I, I Before I lived in Whistler, British Columbia for about 15 years. And then before that, I was in Toronto. So I kind of, I guess in my 20s, early 20s, I kind of made the shift from uh, urban person to mountain person. That's... You are a true mountain person now. What's that? Life. You're a true mountain person now. You've lived half your life in the mountains. Yeah, I guess. I, I always say it's where, it's where I... Uh, I would say I grew up in Whistler just because that's kind of where I, you know, I learned about the important things in life and got away from the toxic things, I guess. That seems like a great little segue. What are the important things in life? What are, what are those to you? Well, uh, I mean, well, it depends, it depends which way you wanted to go with that. But for me, I, I kind of, I made this video recently about, uh, about Shimoda, just kind of an our, our story kind of video. And uh, the four things I had was, what is it? Patience, resilience, determination, and uh, a good camera bag. 
So that was, uh, you know, th- those are all kind of things that you kind of just learn from, you know, hanging out in the mountains and having objectives and doing things and failing and then accomplishing things. And so those are like kind of, I guess, the word tent poles, you know, my tent poles of life just kind of have those things. Um, of course, there's always the uh, be a good person and honest and all that other kind of stuff. That's important in family. But, yeah. So Shimoda, what is that all about? I love your backpack. So we're going to say it's rough back. They're a backpack and a whole carry system that are absolutely spectacular if you're a mountain person. Um, and I spend half my life in the mountains in Alberta. And so I use these things all the time and they're absolutely spectacular. But how did you guys get started? Like what, what was the idea bunch when you got going? Uh, well, before I worked for another company for about 10 years and we kind of butt heads that eventually um and so i was no longer working with them and then not too long after that uh, i got a call from someone and that fellow named peter Weisner, and he basically wanted he was interested in, in doing something in this field and of course i was interested in doing something uh with a bigger role rather than just um i guess at the time i was creative director but um my work was mostly uh, product development so that's definitely where my strength was but i had uh or is but i have a a background of of media and you know video photos all that kind of stuff and uh so we he was a numbers guy yeah he loves spreadsheets and stuff like that so um but he's also interested in, in adventure photography photography and just uh just living healthy so we kind of after a few conversations decided that we should do this i mean it was pretty obvious from the get-go we were both wanted to do it but it took a while to to get it sorted and yeah that's kind of how it started so that happened when i was in a town uh called shimoda i was just like shimoda is an actual uh town on the pacific coast of japan and that's kind of where we we met by telephone kind of thing so that's that's where the name actually comes from that's very cool. I didn't know that about your story. That's spectacular. I like that. <laughs> I like when the naming has a place attached back to it. Like it has a right. meaning to it and people can go see it. And yeah, that feels yeah. good. For sure. I mean, that, that, that's been, that specific trip was good because I was kind of in a place where I don't want to say I was in a low, but I was, you know, I was unemployed, just kind of floating, just kind of trying to figure out what to do next. And it's a little surf town, kind of bit touristy, and uh, but it's also a really quiet and chill town. Um, and yeah, I was just camped out in the parking lot for I don't know for a week or something, just at the beach kind of thing, and just uh, you know at sunset time kind of thing, we'd drive, go for like an hour drive, and take photos of of the local mountains and stuff. And so I ended up getting this photo of. Uh, there's this kind of famous spot there down the coast and while it doesn't exactly look like it now but that photo ended up becoming our logo because I mean our logo is really simple now but um, it's just kind of reiteration after you know next version next version just broke it down into circling four lines I think it is but, uh, <laughs> it is a, it is a, a coastline down down there that's so cool so let's just talk a little bit about your backpacks quickly as we're going here. You have mm-hmm. kind of two separate series going on. You've got the Explore series, which is launching the second version on June 30th, I believe, on Kickstarter, and the Action X series. So let's, let's talk a little bit about Action X first, because um, sure. that's the bag I use. And I, I absolutely love it. It carries everything perfectly any way you could want it to, um, especially the, the straps to be able to put skis on your back and be able to put whatever you think of on your back, really. Um, where, was, where did that Action X come from? Like, who were you wanting to talk to with it? Uh, I think, I think almost anyone who, uh, I guess kind of anyone who grew up like I did just, um, you know, had a camera and was into, into mountain activity and sports. It's, it's for that, it's very much, in my opinion, like a a Whistler type bag, because there's so many people there shooting photos, making video, uh, movies, that kind of thing. And you're just embedded in, in in the mountains there like no matter what you want to do there you you've got to go climb a mountain kind of thing i mean 
everything's centered around bikes, snowboards, skis. I mean, now the list is, there's so many sports, I don't even know what they are anymore. <laughs> there's, uh, it's just it's really from my past in Whistler that definitely, in, I don't want to say inspired it, but it was just like a natural evolution that, you know, that, that was kind of building a bag for myself in a sense, but I was building a bag for uh, that type of creator that's just, uh, I guess, aggressive, um, you know, likes the photography, can deal, you know, doesn't, isn't soft, I guess, you know, just, you know, no holds barred, just, just goes for it type of thing. Type so, photographer can take a tumble down a mountain and the bag will survive with you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my, my always, my thing was always the photographer needs to be as good as, as good as the athlete, if, you know, at least close kind of thing. So you should be in the same, the same ballpark if you're shooting action sports. And if you want to do that, you know, you, you can't, you can't have a giant block on your back or, or a giant block camera bag on your, on your back. That's, um, you know, that's, that's moving all over the place while you're riding or, or climbing or doing something like that. You really need something that allows you to keep up with everyone. So I guess that's kind of where it comes from. That's my favorite thing about that bag is it, it moves with you as you're going along. Right? Like you right. don't feel like you've got this cumbersome thing that's that's stopping you from doing something, but you're actually it moves with you as you're doing things. Yeah, that's good to hear. I mean, I feel the same way. At the same time, it's hard for me to sometimes I kind of lose track of it because I mean basically I only wear our bag. So um kind of forget how the other bag bags feel now. But I, I can do everything I want to do, you know. Um I think one of the, the best things was when I was developing that bag. Or no, when I was the first Explore bag I had, uh, I got it from the factory. This is, I guess, four years ago. Um, super excited. Skinned up to, I don't know, maybe a half hour skin and then rode this run down. And it was all full of camera gear. It had about four kind of like, it was a long power run, but it had like about four side hits and then finished in like a 25 foot cliff. And then I just rode it nonstop uh just happened to stomp the landing like no hands nothing then i got to the bottom radioed my friend and i was but i was just realized i was like oh yeah i've got my camera bag on <laughs> and i was like yeah i think these bags work <laughs> so it was uh i don't know it's, it's that kind of mindset i think that you need to have for for these bags yeah most definitely so the Explorer Series 2, as we're talking about the Explorer 1, that's coming out really soon here. Let's talk a little bit about that bag. What's, what's changed in it? What's going on with it? Uh, so basically, when we released Explore, or when we released that series initially, it was, uh, that was going to be our kind of our one bag, because uh, we didn't really know uh, what the future held, um, how successful it would be, or, you know, I mean, of course, we anticipated it would do well, and uh, we would we would grow the brand, but kind of when we launched, we kind of had to kind of put everything and try and put everything into one package. So it was landscape, photography, and action sports type of thing. Of course, uh, by default, hopefully it could travel well. But uh, so once that was out, it was like, okay, well, we can, people want a more sports-focused bag. And that was clear from just conversations I had with people. I wanted a more sports uh, specific bag. So uh, we shifted into that or we shifted with action X. We decided to, to do that. And of course we made that bag. And so now action X uh, was definitely a better bag than the original Explorer. And um, most, I mean, more people gravitated towards that bag than uh, rather than explore, even though they weren't sports focused people. So there was definitely a window to make a bag that was more ideal for landscape photography and people who, who wanted to travel for landscape photography. So that's kind of where Explore comes, or the new Explore comes in. It's, it's definitely a travel and landscape driven camera bag. So it's got a whole bunch of features that uh, make traveling through airports, trains, and, and all that international travel easy. And then it's got a few uh, landscape features in it as well 
So now we've got our travel landscape and our action sports bag. That's perfect. Can you give me a, one little hint of like what one of those things is that's specific for um, travel event, like traveling that makes sure. You- I mean, just simple things like uh, luggage handle, uh, pass throughs. You can stack it on your roller. Got a hidden passport pocket. Um, what else do I have? Uh, it's got a bunch of stuff here. The harness is uh, much more breathable, with kind of with the mindset that it's um. At least it's, it's my opinion that like if you're doing action sports, you are very prepared to get sweaty and dirty. Whereas the say like someone going for a workshop or landscape photographer who, who's less who's less inclined to you know really get after it, you know, but maybe those people wanna don't want sweat stains on their shirt. You know, I mean nobody does, but I mean you know it, there's different users for or with different mindsets. Um, for photography, I think to generalize it, I would go with uh, landscape. I think travel, like true travelers, uh, they walk around sweaty all the time. But uh, yeah, the landscape crowd is definitely more polished, and I don't know if conservative is the right word, but you know, much more uh, less intense, I guess. So that harness is is really nice. It's got a lot. The air flows through it. It's basically the same construction. It's just the the or it's the same design, but this, the, the actual construction is different. So it's, it's got a lot more breathability. And it actually makes quite a big difference. Uh, what else? Oh, so yeah, let me grab it. Uh, I'm drawing a blank right now, but there, there is a whole bunch of features for it. Uh, I've got this uh, like kind of document pocket that's uh, just for maps. Um, Maps and uh, books, kind of little travel things you use. It's kind of got this neat dual access system where you can access access it from the top and from the bottom. Uh, it's got filter pockets, so you can dash filters in there, which is definitely good for landscape photographers. And uh, yeah, actually one of the great things about it is it's got a, a new base handle. And it might sound like a very simple thing, but um, this is my favorite one because if you're shooting with a tripod or I guess uh, even without a tripod and you're kind of shifting, uh, you're kind of shifting your angle, you know, maybe you're moving 10 feet left, 10 feet right kind of thing. Uh, and you want to get your bag. So if you lift up your bag, generally you're going to grab it by a handle or by the shoulder straps and that's going to, you know, shift the weight to, to one direction. And if your bag's open, you know, you can, everything will dump out. So you have to close your bag. So the base handle combined with the top handle just lets you lift it like a, a duffel bag or something like that. And it just, it makes such a huge difference. Um, I mean, it's, it's a really affordable add-on to, to the, like it doesn't cost much to add this feature, but overhead bin, packing your car, just moving uh, your, your bag around your house when you're packing for a trip, those kind of things. It, like it makes such a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah, I would love one of those handles in the bag. Like that sounds spectacular to have for just getting it in and out of cars and things like that when it's weighed down. Yeah, it's it's it's. I think I haven't been in this scenario with it yet, but uh, I always see photos of of workshops and there's like five or six backpacks stacked in the trunk of a car or a pickup truck or something like that. And like in those scenarios, it's just like I mean, it almost it's almost like shelving. You know, you can just pull it out kind of push it back in or just i have i have like a small pickup truck and you know just i always just put it in the back of the truck just really convenient that's awesome so it's june 30th on kickstarter right Coming yeah out. tentative it's 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 almost it's like 99 percent june 30th but we're still waiting on confirmation for when yeah uh, we're not launching the campaign until 100 percent of the product has, has started shipping from the manufacturer um, this way we don't risk any, uh, any tragic delays kind of thing. We know the product's actually left. So once it leaves the factory and leaves Hong Kong, then we'll be confident that, uh, that we can go and, uh, and launch it. Just as last time we had some issues with, uh, shipping and, uh, we don't want to go through those, go through those again, because it, well, obviously it creates a unhappy customer base and uh trying to avoid that 
good plan a little bit good plan yeah yeah and i mean just just in general like you know not my business side uh or not my business perspective but in general just being able to like deliver the product um as a customer knowing you know that the product's already shipped and that it, you know it's it's a much more confident buy because people some most people don't have issues with kickstarter anymore but some people do and there's just, just such a broad customer base that um everyone's different yep. so. it's your third trip through kickstarter right it is yes you're becoming old hat at this now you're getting through all the problems you know what's going on <laughs> I, hope, I hope so <laughs> You never know. You never know what's going to happen. You're just always expecting, uh, always expecting something to to go wrong, kind of thing. One of my favorite features you didn't talk about on the bags is actually the shoulder straps um, and the different sizing on them. Because I can wear my bag and I can toss over to my wife and she can put the ones on that match her really, really nicely. I think that's a huge feature for adventure bags because a lot of them, there's a lot of female adventure photographers out there who don't have bags that fit them really nicely. And I think that those straps were a, a brilliant addition. Where did they where did they come from? What was the impetus behind adding? Uh, after the first campaign, uh, after the first campaign, we had a bunch of women email basically, and they wanted straps that were better for them because obviously our straps kind of uh, come out. They have more like a vest type fit, right? So that fit doesn't work for for every woman's uh, chest. Uh, shape or whatever we want to call it uh, it works for some doesn't work for them all and yes there was definitely uh some i don't want to say it. it's hard to say you know because you talk to people and various they sound very aggressive via email but uh you know after a bit of a communication you know maybe i misread it maybe i didn't i don't know but there's some aggressive emails about not catering to women and, and things like that and it wasn't a, a case of not catering to women. It was a case of, hey, we just started this company. I'm a guy. I designed a bag around my needs, um, not around. Uh, and I happen to be a man, so you know I, I didn't design them around these necessarily around female needs, at least at this point. So we had a lot of of, of emails from from women, and it was good because it was good to see that they wanted to use the product. And basically, everyone that emailed, um, I ended up kind of creating a development team with them. And I sent them all, I think, uh, I had a small, uh, a tighter development team at first of about 10 people that all got five straps, five different styles that we designed for, to, to, to shape around the woman's chest. And then, uh, and then we opened it up once we refined it down to three straps to about 45 women and sent them all straps. Uh, basically all across the world um there was people trying them out and then uh we wanted to narrow it down because it's a, it's actually really difficult to have three straps for women because it, it's a just very challenging for logistics and keeping them in stock having colors um just a whole bunch of things it, it's a challenge and uh but it was clear that there was so many different shapes to satisfy and that the three we had, we needed to release all of them. So that's kind of how it came to be. Uh, it's worked out pretty good. I mean, at the same time, we can't satisfy everyone, you know. So even now, there's still some women that, that can't find the right strap for them. And I don't really know how we can solve that yet. But perhaps in the future, we will. A good first step in the right direction. and. I think those straps are spectacular and they're super comfortable and my wife raves about them. So nice work on those. Well, that's good. Yeah. I guess one thing I was trying to uh, say there is that, uh, you know, we're still a young company. I mean, it's been three years now, but it takes a long time to get product out and to get really niche product out. takes even longer. And um, it's, you know, never in our heads is, is it, or at least in my head, is it like, am i neglecting an audience you know it's just a matter of like you know things take time i mean it's the same with the new explorer and action x you know it takes time to get that out it's uh yeah. it's like at least over a year to produce a product you know and bring it to market so um you know in the future i hope we do more 
women's ready skews where you know the packs come standard with with the straps and they have the options but we need a certain level of growth to like justify that you know those kind of numbers and because it's hard to like stock a woman's pack so i think our if we talk about numbers it's like 17 percent of our audience is female and uh or at least it, in different areas it averages out to about 17 percent so it's you know it's hard to produce a product at a certain uh, minimum order quantity when you're just shopping for for you know 150 your audience it's um it's a huge financial commitment to release a backpack and then to to do that knowing that only one-fifth of the audience is actually interested in that bag and then even a smaller portion of that is actually going to buy that bag so it, it takes a little bit of growth to get there but you've done a remarkable job like three backpacks in three years that's that's pretty stunning that's pretty quick growth so beyond your backpack, let's talk a little bit about adventure photography. You said you have a background in it. You lived in Whistler for a little while. What was it? What was it about adventure photography that kind of threw you into it? Let me see. Well, my, I don't know why, but um, I was always interested in, uh, I guess, creative fields, kind of art, design, photography. But uh, I didn't really have a good camera until I was, I think, about 26. Um, but before that, I had this little Olympus point and shoot. And I can't remember how that camera came to me, but the quality on it was amazing. And I was just, once I got that camera, I was just super excited about it. And just the friends that I hung out with, we were always planning uh, kind of cool trips. So we would go up the glacier in the summer or Blackholm Glacier where they do all the snowboard camps and we would uh ride all their jumps in that uh during sunset they did not appreciate it but that's what we did and then we'd camp out overnight and of course take photos of it you know kind of catalog our memories and I think it's easy when you when you take photos no matter how good your camera is at the right time of day the light just you know the light and the, the action just kind of tells a story. So I really got into that and I took that camera everywhere. Um, I remember one time uh, I came back from a mountain called Fissile. This was actually in the middle of winter. And we were, we did done a run and then of the peak. And then we started hiking back to the cabin, turned around. And uh, I guess I was first and I shot the guys hiking up, you know, with their snowboards and just, the whole scene was there and then the peak and then the, oh, there was a full moon i had no idea it was a full moon but then it just popped up over the over the summit and um it was just the picture later you know just i still have that picture it's just i think that was one of the pictures that was like yeah this is, this is good stuff like this is the way to you know this is, this is a good way to live life kind of thing so yeah i think that that's pretty much like my one memorable moment that kind of shifted me into the cameras and backcountry type of living. Um, but otherwise, it's just, it's just a good life. You know, it's you're healthy, you're constantly seeing amazing, amazing things, you got to work hard at it, you know, nothing's easy. And it's just a good, uh, good challenge. That is a pretty spectacular memory to have. That's a great introduction. It's like, this is why I like cameras. Like, yeah, that's pretty spectacular. <laughs> The best part is my friend, uh, my friend Dave, who was with me, thinks he uh, he took the picture, and uh, we're always having, every time I go back to Vancouver, we, we kind of debate it, and I'm like, you're you're in the picture, like it's a silhouette, but I'm like, that's you in the picture. You did not take this picture. Uh, hopefully, no copyright claims come. You know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a great way to start. So when you got going in it. What, where did you want to kind of take it? What did you decide you were going to go and do this full time? Did you decide you were going to go and build backpacks? Like, where did your story take you? I wasn't really too focused on becoming uh, a venture photographer or, or anything like that. I was definitely, you know, into it, but it wasn't like uh, it, was, it was going to be something that I was going to do the rest of my life type of thing. 
in those days, I was very much just uh, enjoying being in my 20s and uh, living in Whistler, just everything that goes with that lifestyle. There's no rush to, you know, to move on. <laughs> you know, you're trying to, I was trying to milk every, every minute I could out of it. And uh, uh, I was with a snowboard company making videos for them. And then I had an injury where I broke the, the cap of my elbow off and I basically couldn't move my arm for a summer. So I went back to Toronto and, and stayed with my mom for a bit. And I literally did not know how to turn a computer on at that point. I think I was 27. And um, I ended up in, in uh, technical school about a month later for design, for web design. And that comp the snowboard company I was with, uh, before I got out of school, gave me a contract to build their website. And from there, I kind of just, this was back in the heyday of web design when you got paid really well to, to build flash websites. And uh, so from then, I suddenly had a, a good income working a couple months a year and all this free time. A year before that, my mom bought me uh, a 1D, a Canon 1D body from this photographer we knew who was upgrading his cameras. But I didn't have a lens for it for like two years kind of thing. I just had this body just sitting on the shelf. And uh, yeah, so when I, when I did get into web design, I could afford to get a, uh, a lens to match, match the camera. And then from there, I kind of started shooting. And uh, I ended up shooting a bunch of friends doing mountain biking and, and snowboarding and started submitting to magazines and, and things like that. But at the end of the year, you know, I would take, I would take thousands of photographs. I mean, probably 90% of them were, were out of focus and garbage, but then the 10% that were, were worth holding on to, um, you know, I would submit those or refine that submission at least, but even still, you know, only a few of those would get published. And it was really frustrating that I had all these photos that they might not have been the best photos, but I, at least I knew they were good. Um, and they weren't getting published. And it was understandable because so many people are doing this. You know, they're doing the same, the same thing. They're taking lots of photos, submitting to magazines. There's only so much space. So I decided, I was like, well, I'm going to start my own magazine so I can just publish all my own photos. And that's basically what I did. First, I made an online website called Modest Bike. And then uh, that went really well. I mean, went well enough that I was motivated to, to make it print. And then uh, I made that into print and I ran that for a few years. So it was mountain bike focused. So my drive to, to shoot uh, adventure sports was, was there because of that, just to, to gather content for that. And then that led into me getting a job, offered a job from a much bigger magazine uh, out of California. And and then I, I took that job and still my job was to, I was the editor in chief, but I shot most of the photographs. I mean, it was definitely a budget move to like, if you can shoot most of your photographs, you, you end up saving a whole bunch of money. So, so uh, yeah, that's kind of, you know, it kind of kept me in the, in the world of, of uh, adventure photography, I guess. And then it just never, I've just always kind of kept around it, I guess. That makes sense. That makes total sense. That's really cool. That's a pretty spectacular. Like, not very many people decide they're going to start a magazine so that they can have their photos published. That's a really <laughs> awesome idea. <laughs> it was good because, uh, I mean, the I don't know now. I don't know what people do nowadays. It's it seems to me like submitting to a magazine is is no longer. Uh, I don't know. It was almost like. That was your initiation in, into the professional photography in those days. I don't know if it's still like that, but like, I mean, I live in a town where, I mean, first of all, it's in Japan. So, and there's, there's 8,000 people that live here. So there, there's not a huge uh, photography community. I mean, there's a lot of people shooting photos, but there's not like that same type of, of energy for, I want to be a pro photographer, pro photographer and stuff like that. It's the, very much uh we call it inaka but like uh slow life there's people aren't so ambitious here <laughs> but uh it's um 
so yeah, I'm not around that that type of energy anymore. I don't know if that, if people are still hungry like that uh, in places like Whistler and, and Colorado, but I don't know. It just seems like the, the whole landscape for for that how to become a pro photographer has changed quite a bit. So I'm not really up to speed on what people do these days. Well, I can tell you that energy to drive there is still here in Bam. Like it's. It's definitely there's a, there's a lot of professionals kicking around or people trying to become professionals kicking around here. Is, yeah, right. They're always looking for gigs. What's their medium? Where, where where do they where how do they get their work out there? Uh, lots it... with like travel industries and like companies and places like that. Like that's that's a lot of people I who are reaching out to me for my position with uh, the tourism board actually. So do you think like uh, that the there's growth in the sense of people with careers or do you think it's a lot of people who are just kind of hoping for a career i think it's a lot of people hoping and trying to push for it not as many people can actually succeed doing it full-time uh, right yeah that's where i think it's at right now and they're just there's so many talented people i think that's the problem like yeah. photography has become just a massively talented community of people and so there's lots of competition out there yeah, just from from the emails I get, I get, uh, you know, I get a whole bunch of emails from people wanting to, you know, the general gist is if I send them a bag, they'll send me a bunch of photos, and ninety nine point nine nine percent of the times I just, I never do that because it's just just not the way I was raised on on how how to uh, on on how to to do that or, or not the way just the whole giving away images and type of thing and try to have a certain balance there but um i feel like there's just so many content creators and everyone's good of course but at the same time you don't even have to be that good anymore because you can always save not save an image and post but you can really make a nothing image and make it spectacular you know in post-processing and uh which is great because it saves my ass all the time <laughs> i mean but it's like uh yeah it's really strange because it's it's hard to it's hard to like to find people that stand out and i mean it's just what's i don't know it's, it's strange what stands out with you for photographers right now like what calls to you when you see somebody standing out ah uh, different just things i haven't seen when i see things i, ha I haven't seen that's that's what that's what i gravitate to like Honestly, I'm not really moved that much by by images. I wouldn't say I stay off Instagram and things like that, but definitely don't spend a lot of time on it because I, I don't want to, to ruin my, uh, dull down my senses of, of what's amazing kind of thing. There's a, I don't know if you know George Carbus. He's, uh, he's a fellow we sponsor out, out of Ireland. He's actually a Czech, from Czech, but he's uh you know defined as a waterman he surfs out in, in in ireland and he's got this little boy and he's basically raised his son with dolphins kind of thing and he, it, it's uh if you get a chance anyone out there listening definitely look up george he's uh so his catalog of images is spectacular and it's that kind of like um just that kind of unique perspective on life you know and then and then you got somebody actually who's who's a, a top athlete but also documenting documenting it it's just like i love that kind of stuff and uh i was lucky enough to spend a week with him in iceland uh a long time ago now but it, you know he's just the right the right personality just super chill to hang out with grounded down to earth kind of thing almost too grounded because i never hear from him <laughs> But when we do catch up, it's good. But yeah, that type of perspective. Um, just I just like people that do their own thing, you know, versus uh, trying to duplicate what what everyone else is doing. Um, I mean, that's part of the process, right? Is is in learning is to to learn other techniques, establish techniques, I guess. Take other images that have been taken, but um, yeah, when when people are their own and you know their personality comes through or who they are that's that's probably yeah. yourself find your voice right yeah 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 exactly person's voice has to come through like even myself like i'm a i don't want to i'm a terrible landscape photographer but i love 
looking at landscape images. At the same time, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I guess I'm oversaturated on a lot of landscape images that I don't, and it kind of, it's kind of like, I wish I could take waterfall photos, you know, like, like some guys do, but I see so many of those photos that I don't even want to put the time in to do that because I feel like I'm just going to be creating what they're, what they're, I'm going to be striving to create what they're creating. And it's just like, I don't want to put the time in because it's like, it's just so saturated kind of thing. You know, I want to do my own thing. Yeah. Where's the story there? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's, what's really important too, is uh, the story behind um, an image. So it's, uh, you know, it's just so much more powerful when, when, I mean, we, we can't always get that story behind the, an image, you know, cause we don't all know each other, but if you, somebody gives you a story about an image, you know, you're just, it's just so much more powerful, right? Yeah. That's why, I don't know, sometimes, I was just thinking of this one time, uh, I was at this event and this guy, uh, Yoshiro Higai was talking about this image and I, I didn't even realize he had taken this image and it was just this famous image in Alaska of Johan Olsen uh, snowboarding this line that just became really famous in the snowboard world and then it was just like this this Japanese guy who barely spoke English telling me and this other guy the story and behind it and it was just like this <laughs> this amazing moment you know I love the, I love those those surprise backstories about about things I don't know maybe this is probably like 10 15 years ago I was looking through uh I, about 10 years ago I moved a bunch of uh prints that I had to Japan from Canada and I was going through I mean there's probably a hundred photo albums uh, you know I moved photo albums from Canada here and uh go just going through those looking at all these images again they were they were shot on that old Olympus camera most of them and then some were just like you know bad hiking shots you know midday light all that kind of thing no no even I didn't even have a mind then to like not shoot at 12 o'clock in the afternoon kind of thing you know it was just you know oh, there's a tree there's you you know kind of take the picture and uh but the memories associated with those moments uh are so much stronger than my book of slides where we sculpted all these images and you know the guy was out there with the pro mountain biker he's doing a trick blah 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 those are just stock clinical kind of moments whereas these other ones with my coin shoes those are the ones that i have uh all the attachments to kind of thing funny how it works yep yeah we're storytelling we're story-driven people really and truthfully that's what i find with a lot of photographers it's it's about the story in the end yeah really yeah, I, I like the story as well. I mean, I like writing. I, like, I don't know if you've seen our teasers, but I was talking to one of the guys um, the other day about it. Just as, as, as long as there's, you know, even if it's a 30-second clip, it just has to have some hint of uh, this is going from point A to point B versus, you know, just being a bunch of static shots kind of thing with no story. Yeah. Gotta have a little something in there. So someone who's listening to this right now who's just doing that exploring, figuring out what they want to do travel photography, adventure photography, what they want to do in it, what's, what's something you would love to say to them? What's one thing that's really important right now? For somebody... Uh, I would say... I don't know. I guess I always say is just, you know, not necessarily take every opportunity that comes your way, but the more experiences you have uh, stacked up, the more you'll be ready for kind of thing. So I have this thing where, um, if you want to go and do something big, you know, whatever it is, whether it's, you know, on a set of skis or whether it's a trip to Nepal, whether it's whatever, you know, all of those big events in your life, they all take like a handful of different small events to get you ready for that big event. So the more the more things you have, uh, the more experience you have, uh, the better. And then just always be like ready, like always be uh, like say with skiing or snowboarding. You know, if if a slope 
faces one direction and it's a big slope, it's a big day coming up. Make sure you're ready for that. Go ride a, a similar face slope and get a feel for the snow before you drop in on the on the big one. Just kind of like you could take that like like if I go shoot urban stuff, I ideally I'm shooting the big day on my at least second day of shooting urban. Like I've I've made my all my mistakes, you know, the day before kind of thing, and I'm I'm ready for for the proper shoot kind of thing. You just always kind of. It's really hard to always keep in the zone and you know if the more you can keep in the zone the better it is same, same with your health like if you're not fit all the time you know you're going to miss opportunities kind of thing because th those moments where like okay somebody asks you to do a trip and it's a big trip and if you can't handle it with the camera bag you know it, it's going to kind of ruin the trip for everyone especially if you're the cameraman so just, just all, always being uh, in the zone for things and ready is kind of the way I try to live. It's not always, doesn't always work out that way, but I try my best. It's a good mindset to have to live towards. Yeah, I hope so. I think so. I mean, it's, it's at least fun trying. So. <laughs> so that camera bag that's on your back, what's, what's in it? I know people love this question, so I got to ask. Uh, it's honestly, typically there. It's always different because uh, I'm always shooting different things. So a lot of the times I will do both video and stills so that places I go. And if I'm going somewhere without someone, a lot of times I'll shoot a, uh, shoot up, set up uh, kind of like selfie type of image where I'll just, I'll be the person in it. I'll just set up the shot for that. So sometimes I'll pack uh, two bodies, um, a, if I'm if I'm doing a proper shoot, I'll always have two bodies, uh, 7200, 16 to 24, and uh, was it 24 to 70? Basically, the three the three big lenses need. Yeah. Remotes. Um, sometimes I'll bring an external monitor. Uh, I got a couple of drones that I use. Um, I got a mini and a Skydio drone. Which I'm not sure I'm happy with either of them, but let's carry those around. Uh, yeah, pretty much, I don't know, pretty much the basics here. I, I carry GoPros, and the last year I've, I usually have a GoPro with me. It's quite handy. Um, really good for for action content. You know, the I don't know if, if you use one, but the new GoPro 9, the stability on that thing is, is amazing. Um, I like to road bike, and uh, recently I've been uh, videoing uh, road bike descents. So basically, I just like to climb hills and, and ride down them. That's it's kind of my, my fun uh, if I have a couple hours. And uh, just with those new GoPros, filming the bike, uh, the, the rider perspective uh, is amazing. Just, I'm blown away by how good they are. Uh, so, into that a bit lately. Uh, yeah, I don't know. The hyper smooth is pretty amazing that they've added to the nine. Like yeah. it's just remarkable what you can do with it. Yeah, I, I use it with the uh, the max lens, and uh, it's for snowboarding too. It, it's all it's amazing too. It's quite good. Just. Uh, I mean, it's all about having the the right line, right? So I find it has to be, everything's got to be like a, not a, a hallway is good, like a hallway-ish type line or, um, or a ridge, something like that. Just something to give it like some real depth and perspective. But that's kind of the thing. But actually with, with most of the images that I like to take, I'm always trying to capture... Uh, when it comes to backpack, I'm always trying to capture uh, kind of like a hallway type image. So all, all the focus um, is drawn to the center of the frame. Uh, you know, kind of like the it just it just brings the the viewers, in my opinion, uh, eyes to the backpack. Yeah. Which is it's another thing is is that I'm kind of I'm not I'm not your normal uh, adventure photographer in the sense that I'm always thinking backpack first so very rarely do am i uh looking for a scene and being like this is gonna make a great landscape photo i'm like how am i gonna get a backpack in there 
anything. So you're the product adventure landscape photographer. Yeah, yeah, and you, you know what though this this is one one of the struggles I have is why why I was saying like I'm not a very good landscape photographer because this is how I always shoot because I came from adventure photography, and you always have a person in the frame, and I think most um, or sorry I came from action sports so so most action sports photographers think in the sense that the the action has to be good has to the, the rider the whoever has to have look good and have style and then it's got to be in an epic location so i think a lot of action sports photographers say they're landscape photographers because they capture beautiful landscapes there's just action in front of it which is true but it's just as most of as a landscape photographer would define it it's probably not true but so i, I just have that mindset of like always having a person in the image because for me it just there's perspective emotion it just gives it gives a, a layer that i like in my images and i think that's really translated over well to my my lonely career of backpack photography <laughs> that, that'll be my new magazine it's going to be uh all backpacks all backpack photography all backpacks all the time <laughs> oh i love that that's the way I prefer my shots too. I love having a person thrown in there because it, it you can connect with them. You can understand them being in that landscape, right? Like you feel something there. So, yeah, and I think you know maybe a landscape photographer might say like, well, you know, that's that's how we use our foreground kind of thing to to kind of represent the same kind of thing. But I, I don't know if that's accurate. But it's one of the I really struggle with landscape photography with my foreground and, and just having that, uh, I don't know, just capturing that same feeling. I should go do a workshop, I think. <laughs> I'm with know. you. I'll join you on that. I'm right in the same boat as you. Right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, this is awesome, man. Do you have anything you want to throw in? Any advice we didn't get to talk about? I, I want to be cognizant of your time too. Like I really appreciate you taking an hour out of your day to talk to me. Ah, no, no problem, it's all good. Uh, you know, just that we have this Kickstarter coming up, and yeah, like I said, I guess it's uh, depending when this publishes, it'll be June 30th or July 1st. But, uh, you know, we're going to do our best to, we're doing a whole bunch of things to like give people better service uh, with it. So, the reason we do Kickstarter is, is uh, it's just, the best way to, I don't know of another way to expose a product on this level um, with the, the amount of exposure you get in, in marketing these days. Like I would love to know because I always tell people, I'm like, yeah, I just don't know like how we're supposed to market a product. Like one of the things that I like is that it, it, you offer the product at a discount. So if I was a customer, um, Without Kickstarter, you would never get a deal on a brand new product, right? You'd never, you'd never get thirty percent off brand new snowboard. So this, uh, so that's one of the reasons I like Kickstarter is because it gets the product out to people because they're getting, you know, an incentive because it's discounted. Well, I see. I now that you've delivered on both your past Kickstarters, like fully yeah. and completely, that should give people a lot of confidence in following up and continuing on with you and. Your bags are fantastic. I love using them. I'm starting to see them populate the trails more frequently too, um, out here in Banff. And so, they're they're a worthwhile, great product to look at if you're looking for a, an adventure backpack. Like they're one of the best ones in the world right now. Well, thank. Yeah, of course. I love the thing. It saved my back versus some of the I've I've used some of the other ones that are out there, and they don't hold up quite as well as this one does. So, I really appreciate right. you building this product. Well, thank you for saying that. Appreciate it too. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for uh, for using them and uh, having me on. Because uh, if if I wasn't, you know, I'm confident that the bag is good because I use it all the time. But like, I mean, of course, it's partly about sales. But you just want people to have the best tools for for whatever they're doing. You know, it's like I want people to know that there there's these options. And you know, most photographers are most photographers' influences come. From from more traditional means i think like especially with backpacks um 
you know, it's, it's even to this day, it's really hard to like convince people you could put a water bottle right here. And that if you do that, there's, you're basically eliminating the weight of your water because the back of the bag's heavier and it just basically holds it up that water for you. And most people refuse to use this pocket for, for water bottle. It's like, well, that's fine. I mean, I'm not going to you know, argue with you, but th that type of mindset, like I, I like trail running and, you know, I got that from trail running maybe like seven or eight years ago, that idea. So my water was always here all the time. And it's just, it's just, I want people to know there's, there's so many better ways to do things than, than the traditional way things are being done. Um, so hopefully that shifts. Hopefully. For those hopefully listening, sorry. sorry. Oh, no, it's to say for those listening here, is, um, it's on the strap from the front. Um, right. So the water rail is not in your backpack. It's actually the backpack pulling the weight across the front of your chest. It's, it's a brilliant system. Yeah. And just along that line, it's like, this is something I think about a lot because if I go out with my friends, they don't have the same mindset and uh, I don't like to stop at all. So I'm like, I don't like to stop for 20 minutes, have lunch, this kind of thing. Like when we get there, we'll eat, but until then uh, we're moving. <laughs> and uh, so I, I, I like, you know, to, to be able to like not break a stride. I can just have water. I can refuel it, it. Literally that's my movement, my hand from my chest to my mouth. That's, that's all the movement I need. That's all the energy I'm burning. If I'm grabbing food, you know, same thing. I can grab food from the belt pocket, like put the garbage in the belt pockets, or maybe it's in my chest. If I have to check my phone, all that stuff's, you know, I don't ever have to stop. I just keep going. Don't burn and don't burn the energy. And I know it's not the same for everyone, but I'm a bit of a sweaty guy. So when I do stop, it's like, it's like the sweat just catches up. It's like almost at running the sweat. And then I stop and it catches up and it's just suddenly a downpour running down me. I'm like, then you get the chills and this and that. And it's just like, I just want to get out there. Keep out running it. Keep out running it. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I feel like that's what it is. Man. I, I like to say the bags, uh, you know, they carry both the photographer and the gear out there. They're kind of built to take care of you and get you home. That's a great, that's a great line to end on. I think what's your, where can people find you? Where can people look for all, all of this besides Kickstarter? What can they? Uh, ShimodaDesigns.com is, okay. uh, is our website. And if you Google, I'm sure if you Google Shimoda Designs, our Instagram and stuff will eventually come up. <laughs> Everything else will be up there. It's well worth looking at these bags. It's well worth picking one up, to be totally honest. It's my favorite backpack I've used ever. Um, so yeah, definitely go and get one. Thank Amazing. you very much. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Robert. Thank yeah. you so much, man. Have a wonderful day. Ian, thank you so much for taking that time today. I really do appreciate you doing that right before a new product launch. I know how busy things can get around those times. So thank you so much for taking an hour out of your day to chat with us and give us some amazing nuggets on adventure photography and travel photography and just kind of what that means in today's landscape. I think one of the big nuggets for me out of this one is something that we've talked about before on here and I think is just so important to reiterate is to tell your story, to find your voice, to be who you are. So when you think about the photographs that you want to take, think about the story that you want to tell. Don't just do the same thing that everybody else is doing out there right now. Find your voice, find your story, find what it is that inspires you and engages you and get out there and do that. This does take some self-reflection and personal reflection and it's going to change over time. So go and find it and shoot it and create things that are unique to you and your voice. And as always, thank you so much for listening. I swear this episode was not sponsored or anything by Shimoda. I just love their backpacks and I am stoked to get more people out looking at them. They really do have some truly revolutionary pieces, so go and check them out. Check out the link in the show notes for this episode, and when that Kickstarter goes live on June 30th, definitely check it out and see if that is the right bag for your next set of travels. As always, show notes are on robertmasseyphotography.ca, and while you're there, let me know if you want more interviews like this or what information you want to learn about. I'm hoping to bring you more interviews from people in the field coming up here. So if there's something specific or somebody specific you want me to talk to, drop me a message. I am happy to talk about photography. 
Thank you so much for tuning in today. I love these interviews. I loved this interview in particular. It was such an honor to get to talk to you, Ian. Thank you for being here. And I hope you had as much fun today as I did. And I hope you listener had as much fun listening as we did chatting. All right, let's adventure. Bye for now.